Hello, welcome to another episode of Gary Talks. I'm your host, Gary Kelly. And in today's episode, we are talking to the head of our very own web design team, Rory McNicholas. Rory is a Galway man, but living in Thailand for the last few years. So I'll be talking to him virtually in this episode. And we'll be talking about digital nomads because he's lucky enough to be one. Rory will be talking to me though as well about cybersecurity and gives tips on how we can protect ourselves online. He talks about a new web design platform that has huge benefits. He talks about how he focuses more on tasks through simple little tips and tricks. He talks about setting boundaries, the future of AI, which leads to a very interesting conversation. And I'm probably still a little unsettled after talking to him about it. Certainly interesting times ahead for all of us in society and how we deal with what could be the blessing or the threat of artificial intelligence. He talks about semi-retirement, leaving the world of web design and actually returning back to it a few months later and managing his own time in general, especially when dealing with a lot of Irish clients, but based in a completely different time zone. Lots of great insights in this podcast and definitely something that you can get great value from. So sit back, relax and enjoy. This is a GK Media Podcast. Rory, thanks a million for joining us. Delighted to have you back for another episode of Gary Talks. And just realized there that you were actually our first episode of Gary Talks back in March 2020, long time ago. It was, it was. It's uh, it's interesting to have that as a, a point in the past to kind of compare with now. It's uh, just nice to look back and see how I've grown since then, how my web development skills have grown how GK Media has grown, how how the world has changed as well, I suppose. Mm. There's been a lot of uh has <laughs> been a lot of uh, big shifts and problems and disasters over the the last while. So it's uh yeah, nice to reflect back and see what's happened since. Yeah, huge changes really from March twenty twenty onwards and it definitely changed the world for websites and web designing because everything went online and a lot of businesses to survive had to go online and go remote. And here in Ireland, local enterprise offices were given out trading vouchers for people to get their website updated or even get a brand new website done so they could take their business online for survival purposes. And also just it's a global market out there nowadays. Uh, and I know we were we were working on a lot of websites ourselves. It was a pretty chaotic period. It was, it was. And uh you know, we give the we give the government a lot of bashing, sometimes justifiably so. But I think that grant was a pretty a pretty good decision, because as you said, you know, it's uh it's it's an international market, be it selling products, selling services. So I think that probably helped an awful lot of companies who had plans to go online eventually, or who didn't, and then realized that they had to that they had to adopt. So that was a a pretty good grant, which is still going. It's not. You don't get as much out of it these days, but uh, yeah, pretty good, pretty good initiative all around for everyone involved. Yeah, because it was up to 90% the price of a website with the grant, the top value being, was it two and a half grand? About that, yeah, back down to 50% now, but it, it did go all the way up to, to 90%. And any dealings I had with the local enterprise offices were always 
very good. All the clients had good things to send about them. They're very helpful, very easy to, to ring up on the phone. So they're doing good work in, in pushing out enterprise at home and abroad. And can you recall some of the sort of websites and the variety of businesses that you were working with? There were a couple of interesting ones. They're all e-commerce based since that, well, that's what the grant was for. But an interesting one was a company called Glanthar run by a woman called Carmel. And she had been doing online training for salons and she very quickly pivoted to some sort of COVID certificate came out for, you know, saying that your salon was following all these practices. And she very quickly set up this course, guiding people through everything they needed to do, but needed some way to put it online. So, you know, we set that up for her. We got her up and running with an online course where people could log on. They could answer questions, had to get eight out of 10 on each of the, each of the questionnaires right. And they got a certificate at the end with their with their name on it so that that was probably the one that stands out to me the most uh recent one was for company doing primary school grinds doing those online selling those online so quite quite a bit of variety but that that glantar one definitely stands out the most because she was she was very on the ball and it's a it's a skill i'm trying to develop myself you know obviously we don't want any more crises but when they do come around, there is something to be said for looking for the the opportunity or how to adapt. And she definitely did that, had a plan for it and was able to get it off the ground pretty quick with our help and the help with the local enterprise office. That was an interesting one to work on. And the fact now that we're out of COVID, I mean, is that business of any benefit to her now? I think she was already doing general training for salon she's um she does kind of what's the word for it uh, hygiene practices in different kinds of businesses so i think she's just gone back to doing that a lot of that was for restaurants and that kind of things that you know closed and weren't spending any money on online training so again she's been able to just pivot that platform she just took the covid courses down put her old content back up and now it's uh, it's uh it's it's running it's running for her still Definitely from COVID, there's a huge amount of e-learning courses now that have been developed, produced and published. Is there a a strong future in that, do you think? Or are we just exhausted now from watching computer screens for the last two and a half years? That's a good question. I'm always reminded of something that my dad said years before COVID. He said that a lot of industries have been changed by the internet. Some of them upturned outright the music industry is an excellent example of something that just got you know completely turned over and changed by the internet and you know there was no choice you had to adopt if you were in the music industry and he'd always say that the one place that that hadn't happened was education and that was kind of i didn't realize it at the time but that kind of foreshadowed what was to come it's difficult to know i think people are pretty split down the middle. A lot of people have really embraced working from home, learning online. A lot of people haven't. A lot of people still prefer going into the office, learning online or learning in person. I know for myself, when I was in Thailand, when COVID hit, that I was doing Thai lessons here and I loved going into the class and learning them. And I'd read an article around about that time about Zoom fatigue. People were calling it how it was taking more brain power to go on to Zoom calls. And I, I didn't really identify with that until the classes went online to Zoom. 
And gosh, I was already doing two to three hours of Zoom calls a day for, for work. And the classes were two hours long and I stopped going to the lessons. I just decided I couldn't hack another two hours sitting in front of a camera. Yeah. And, you know, as good as the internet is, sometimes your connection just dips or your, your laptop restarts. So I think it would be pretty situational. I think there'll be, there'll be pros and cons to it. My sister is doing a education degree, a teaching degree in Dublin and really wanted to stay at home in Galway with our family. And there's an online option for that. I think there's some in-person stuff, but I think that's probably the way it's going to go is that you offer both, see which works yeah. the best and uh, at least have the option of doing it online if it, if it suits you better. Yeah, because even now we're live streaming a lot of conferences for multinationals and universities around Ireland. And there is that demand from the end viewer, the consumer of the content where they want the option of either attending the event in person or watching it online. And you can understand why that's a, an important variety of options for people to have, you know, especially if they have a young family or it's a four hour round trip journey. But you were mentioning Thailand there. So you're one of the, the lucky ones, in my opinion, because you're what we would call a digital nomad. So you design websites for our clients. You're from Galway, but you're based most of the time in Thailand. I am. And lucky is definitely the, the word I'd use in two big senses. One is just the, the time that I was born into. If I was, you know, if I was my... My father, if I was born in the same time as him, it just, it, it, it wasn't an option. The internet didn't exist when he was a young lad. So I got lucky in, in that sense. And then the other one was that when the internet did come out, my dad was on top of it. So he told me about, I think IOL was the name of the company, Ireland Online. And these guys were coming around to the house telling him about this thing called the internet. And he didn't, he didn't buy anything off them. They weren't even selling access at that stage. They would do things on the internet for you. And he had to think about it. He was a guitar teacher and he said, I want you to get me these hundred songs. I want the guitar chords from them. So these guys went back to their office, you know, one of the few places in the country to have internet at the time. And they came back to him. He paid them. I don't know how much. It wasn't a whole lot. And uh, he got this list of a hundred songs with all the chords, all the lyrics. And that was when it kind of clicked for him that this was going to be a very big thing. So he got very involved then with computers and the internet in general and taught me an awful lot about it. He's probably the, the biggest mentor I've, I've had in life. And uh, as a result, I was playing around with web design around the age of 11. There was a free piece of software on Mac computers called iWeb and nothing crazy. Did a small website for the local scout group, things like that. But as a result, when I got into college, I was in a position where I was earning some cash from websites. So I did a year in NUIG in business information systems and left the course at the start of second year, not because I'm any sort of genius like Steve Jobs and <laughs> Bill Gates and those guys that leave college in advance before finishing the course, but rather just because I'd been, I'd been doing it for years and I, I knew that I enjoyed it. and. A mate of mine, Oliver, had gone out there already and he was, you know, I'd be sitting in a lecture getting messages from him telling me, oh, it's great out here. The weather's great. Everything's cheap. You have more freedom, all of this, yada, yada. And uh, 
the desire to go was just eating away at me for for months and months and months and eventually made the leap but would wouldn't have been able to do it without without working online without freelancing so yeah a lot of things lined up that gave me the ability to do that and gave it a go and liked it some people don't some people come out here they realize how much they miss home they go back and it has given me a greater appreciation of home of Galway but i've a slightly more higher appreciation for for Chiang Mai is the name of the city i'm in out here and same is true working with clients i've built websites for you know companies in ireland the uk abu dhabi america canada a whole load of places so yeah a lot of luck involved but definitely something that i enjoy doing and intend to keep doing far into the future what's a great benefit is right now it's nearly 10 a.m. here in ireland so what time is it there for you it is quarter to 5 p.m. So for me, what I think is a huge benefit for you is you're working away for hours before the majority of people, a.k.a. your Irish clients, wake up and start saying, oh, can you do this? Can you add that? Can you take this out? And so on. Because I, I often find if I'm getting up at half seven in the morning, the first thing I always do is check emails. So at half seven, I'm already on the back foot responding to emails uh, to those uh, wonderful people who got up before me and decided <laughs> to email me at half six or seven a.m. Whereas if I get up at six a.m., I feel I'm on top of the day because I'm the one sending out the emails uh, and then plowing ahead with what I need to do. But because you're up while everyone else is sleeping and you're working away, you've no disruptions going on during the majority of your working day. So it actually allows you to get way more stuff done, doesn't it? It does. It is quite a big benefit. There's some disadvantages if a client wants to do a call at 3 p.m., which is, you know, 9 or 10 p.m. here, depending on the time difference, you have to tell them to move it to the morning time. But it is it is a big benefit because communication and work is something that you have to do. But if you don't do it carefully, it can end up just destroying your focus. Uh, I, there is a study done recently that says every time you context switch or task switch, it takes something like 20 minutes for your brain to fully switch back to the other task. And it doesn't feel like that. We feel like we can switch back and forward without any any detriment to our focus. But um, unfortunately, that's not the case. So something I did do in Ireland was I had a very handy Google Chrome extension. Can't remember what it was called, but it would basically pause emails coming into your inbox so you because you have to go into your email a lot of the time to see what clients want files they've been sent and you can basically click this button and it pauses that for a set amount of time like two mm -hmm. hours so i get two hours then of being able to go through what i need to go through and then when that time is up all the emails that would have come in come in then they they bounce into your your inbox but yeah, haven't haven't needed that since since moving out here. So it's a handy one for sure. Yeah, because there's probably I'd say two days a week that I'm in the office that I'm not on the road or something like that, and they're probably my most unproductive days in the entire week because just people know I'm in, so they're they're calling in for meetings or ringing the office. It's so easy to contact people nowadays, whether it's text message, voice memos emails, Zoom meetings, physically calling in. But because it's easier, people just contact you. And, and it's mad. Whereas I, I'm envious of you at times 
this idea of actually waking up and knowing that no one will be bothering you for at least six hours because they're all fast asleep. I do now have a handful of clients in this time zone in neighboring countries. And one thing I made the decision to do recently was just be a bit more stringent about how I communicate, which was difficult for me to do because I'm quite high in agreeableness or put another way, I find it difficult to say no to people. Mm. And, you know, I had one client who was great to work with, but they would ring me unannounced on WhatsApp, which would, you know, break my focus on whatever I was working with. And I was really worried about saying something about that. I thought they might say, I'm, I'm paying you all this money. You need to be answering me when I ring you and all of this. And I built up the courage to say, look, I appreciate you, you know, communicating with me because it's speeding the project along, but I'm going to have to set, you know, hours that I'm available to be called or we'll have to schedule the calls in advance, uh, agree in a time beforehand. And they were thankfully very accommodating. So as often turns out when you're nervous, you tend to often overestimate how bad it's going to be. But that went really well. They, they notify me in advance if they want to do a call. They ask me, does this time suit? And I'll say yes or no. So that's that's been a big thing for me is not being afraid to set uh, limits on communication with clients. Yeah, because I think during COVID, because everywhere was closed and there wasn't really anything going on, everyone was reachable and contactable and even enjoyed getting that email or that phone call and having a connection with the outside world. Whereas the norm, unfortunately, has returned. The norm that we probably would never come back again in the sense of oh we've learned so much from COVID now and I'm mean, not doing such a thing like that ever again but I think most people have returned to the same old bad habits but there's there's still that aftertaste from COVID in the sense of people are still expecting to reach people like they did so easily uh, during COVID. You were talking about your dad there and you know what a great influence he was on you and how he's probably one of your greatest mentors. What I think is really cool now is your dad is working with you. He is, he is. He's um, he's still teaching the guitar, but, you know, as I mentioned, he's always had an interest in uh, web design and Photoshop and InDesign. He's a, a drone that he, that he takes out flying and things like that. So it's great. It's something I, I really enjoy teaching people in general and education in general. Um, you know, I get a couple of, messages on LinkedIn every month from guys my age that are looking to get into web design. And um, he just kept, you know, bumping into people that were that were looking to get web work done and that didn't always have the budget to pay what I charge because, you know, as my skills have grown, my, my fee has increased. So it's been great to be able to train him up and pass that work over to him. So yeah, it's been a very pleasant feeling being able to give back I'll I'll never reach the stage where I teach him as much as he's taught me, but it's 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 good to at least put a little bit of a dent in the the discrepancy there in the knowledge exchanged. The last time we were talking was about the benefits of WordPress compared to other platforms out there. And again, it's hard to believe, but it, but it is only a few years ago that people thought a website on Wix was a great idea. You know, we were talking about the benefits of WordPress. Uh, the variety of plugins you could use, how how good it was with SEOs and that Google liked it uh, as a website and so on. But there's a new platform you've discovered, and it's got 
huge benefits, especially when you compare it to WordPress, which was one of the kind of pinnacle platforms at the time. Talk to us about Webflow. I will do. So WordPress originally started off as blogging software. And a big reason it's become as popular as it has now is over time, this massive, massive library of themes and plugins developed over time. Plugins essentially being software that you can easily add in that you know adds e-commerce functionality, that adds booking calendars. And it's essentially this massive, massive Lego kit where you can build this tower of Lego or plugins without the whole thing collapsing. That's what WordPress does very well. But the downside is, is that every one of those plugins that you add in is going to slow the site down somewhat. And it's going to be another potential way the site can be attacked or hacked. So WordPress sometimes gets a bad rap for being insecure, but WordPress itself is highly secure, very difficult to do anything malicious with it. The problem is that despite the best interests of the people that make these plugins, they sometimes have security vulnerabilities. So when we were talking about Glantar there, for example, that online training for COVID, you know, there was one plugin for a hundred euro that turned that into an e-learning platform. And that one went fine. That one didn't cause any issues, but every so often a vulnerability gets discovered in a plugin. And sometimes you catch it in time. There's kind of two hackers, two types of hackers in the world. You've white hat hackers who operate within the bounds of the law. They're the companies that you pay to come in and audit it and they'll find the problems, but not, you know, do anything malicious with them. And then the black hat hackers are the people operating outside the law. The people, for example, that hacked the HSE, I think it was a year ago, are black hat hackers. And a lot of the time, the white hack hackers find the vulnerabilities and they make the developers aware, the developers fix it, there's no problem. But it's when the black hat hackers find them first that you're in trouble and that your site can get hacked and it could get crashed, it could get breached. And you know, that's that's always been a severe issue, but with GDPR now, that's something that a lot of businesses really can't afford to have happen. And the reality is there's a market for this stuff, for finding vulnerabilities in plugins and selling them. And us law-abiding citizens don't tend to see that. We don't know that this is going on, but there is quite a lucrative market out there for, for people to do these kind of illegal activities, which is why it ends up happening. So to segue into Webflow, Webflow give you one platform where you can build your website, design it, add a CMS, add a membership area for selling content and subscriptions, adding e-commerce. And because it's all under their business, their umbrella, and because they've gotten very extensive security audits done, they're essentially unhackable websites. And part of the reason they do that is, or part of how they do that is your Webflow website is what's called a static website, where there's essentially no moving parts. It's the HTML code that sets out, you know, here's your text, here's your images, here's your paragraphs. It's the CSS that makes that look nice. And then there's something called JavaScript for making buttons jump up and down, make images slide in from the left and right. And none of that is hackable, essentially. But your WordPress website 
uses a lot of code. It uses a lot of moving parts. So when I go onto a WordPress website and I go onto a blog post, WordPress has to say, right, which blog post is this? I have to go to the database. I have to pull out that blog post. I have to display it on the page. And all those moving parts make it slower and a little easier to hack. And, you know, I don't want to knock WordPress too much. I built the start of my career off it for five years. But the thing that was starting to annoy me is it was necessary to have these maintenance packages for WordPress and to offer them to clients and decide, let them decide if they want to take it or not. But that was starting to irk me because I realized if you're selling a maintenance package, that's essentially saying this thing that I built you is not going to last forever. It's not going to be without its problems. And it would be in the benefit of your business for you to pay me 50 euro or 100 euro every month to go onto this thing and to you know update it and keep it secure. And Webflow is a little bit more expensive than WordPress. You're talking maybe 20, 30 euro a month compared to, you know, you might be able to host a WordPress website for five euro a month. But by the time you're paying for a maintenance package, by the time you're paying for all those plugins, which you also have to pay a license for every year to get the updates, et cetera, it does work out a lot cheaper. So it's been, uh, it's been great. It's really kind of reinvigorated my interest in web design and made it a lot more enjoyable with a lot less headaches for both me and the clients. And in terms of SEO then, is is there more benefits with Webflow or is it the same as, as WordPress? There is. So Webflow sites are faster and the code is cleaner. It can accomplish the same thing as WordPress with less lines of code. That's something that Google likes and will give you, you know, a higher SEO rank for. It also has all the SEO built in. So with WordPress, you have to add in a plugin and, you know, that's going to do a limited amount before the plugin wants you to, you know, update to their 99 euro a year subscription. And it's also going to be another plugin that slows down the site and is a potential way for it to get hacked. So they have all the SEO tools right there built into the software makes it very easy to use. So yeah, it's it's easier to do from an SEO point of view. You can still get a WordPress website to the same level, but it's going to take a higher investment of time and money to get the same results. Heading into 2023, what, and bearing in mind cybersecurity as well, what sort of tips would you give people with regards to their website now moving forward? We'll start with cybersecurity since you mentioned it. We'll we'll touch briefly on that. Cybersecurity is similar to fire alarms for your house in that no one really wants to do them. They take time and energy, but they're preventative. You can't put the fire alarms in after the house is burnt down and you can't go and set up your cybersecurity policies after you've you've already been hacked. And you know, just how you can't put the fire alarms in and leave them. You got to test them every month, make sure the batteries don't fail. You need to do the same for cybersecurity. And if I were to pick three tips to give people, first is get a good password manager. The one I use is called Bitwarden. And, you know, I have hundreds of online accounts between personal and professional stuff at this rate. And I only have to remember one password, my password manager account. 
And every time I sign up to a new service, it generates a new secure password, it enters that in and it saves it. So, you know, a lot of people, unfortunately, would be guilty of using insecure passwords or using the same password for everything or for multiple things, both of which are bad ideas, unfortunately. So by using Bitwarden, which is free, it gets around both of those. It ensures that it's a different password for everything, and it ensures that it's a secure password. So that'll be the first one. Second is to educate yourself a little bit on how phishing and scamming emails work. Unfortunately, you know, they're getting better at scamming all the time. Um, and, you know, I always like to add in a personal segue to this professional stuff. If you can, you know, if you have older parents or grandparents, unfortunately, they're one of the most vulnerable groups when it comes to scamming. So, you know, if you can learn about it for your business and then help them out with it, that's a big benefit. The greatest phishing email I've ever seen was from someone pretending to be on post. So that's the first great thing they did. You know, on post, they've been in my life for the last 20 years. Of course, yeah. I'm going to open an email from on post. The second one was they, unfortunately, they can do this trick where they make it look like it's the on post email. So it was info at onpost.ae. So on post had some issue there that I hope they fixed where people are able to mimic or spoof their email. So unfortunately, that's always not a reliable indicator. And the third one, the whole email was in Irish. Ask Gelga. All right. I've, I've never seen anything as specific and targeted as that. And uh, that was a bit of a giveaway for me because I know that whenever something's in Irish, it's, it's usually in English as well. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, it was very convincing. And it takes you to a website that looks like on post. And they say, we're holding your parcel in customs need you to pay five euro to get it released. And then they have your card details. So unfortunately, the best attitude is be suspicious of everything that comes in, double check. And the third one then is use a VPN, a virtual private network. You can get ones like NordVPN for a pretty low amount each month. And turn that on if you're ever in anywhere with public Wi-Fi, cafes, airports, uh, public transport, Wi-Fi, anything like that. It's difficult to hack people when they're using unsecured networks, but it is possible. And that basically just secures your, your connection and um, keeps you safe. So secure passwords that are different for every service. Uh, watch out for phishing emails and use a VPN on public networks. So that's the cybersecurity side of what's to come in 2023. Excellent, excellent. And in terms of then websites themselves for i don't know design wise or e-commerce wise is there any sort of advice or tips you'd give people there what they need to be thinking about moving forward i think the primary thing is just to focus on the basics know what your business is good at know where you could possibly expand your market to all the kind of usual business stuff and then, you know, work out what's the best way of doing that online. What's the best way to implement that? There's a lot of shiny new tools. There's a lot of, you know, new developments that have yet to be fully tried and tested. So, you know, you have all this cryptocurrency stuff in the news, people making millions, people losing billions, people spending all their, <laughs> all their life savings, um, there's a lot of shiny new stuff and that's probably going to continue and it can be quite easy to get caught up in that. 
It can be, you know, difficult to decide, you know, do I use Wix, Webflow, WordPress, Weebly, Shopify, Squarespace, etc. Um, main thing is for just you to know the basics and then to find a good designer or developer that already knows all of that stuff and can pick the best platform for you. Design is always trend changing. There's, you know, new design trends every year or so. Again, a good web designer or web developer will, will keep on top of that. And then for you, it's just about making sure that your branding comes across on it. That if someone saw your website and someone saw your storefront or your business card, that, you know, there's an immediate connection between them. Um, and other than that, I guess always shopping around for good deals because it's such a competitive space. You can, you can often get quite good deals and discounts. So, you know, there's a lot of payment providers out there. We always use Stripe, but one of the reasons that they're so popular is there's a lot of competition and they have, you know, the lowest fees available. So it's a two-sided coin, double-edged sword. There's a lot of glittery, fancy stuff out there, but because there's so much, the, the competition tends to, tends to keep the price is down. I don't know, have you seen this AI art is becoming uh, very good these days where you type in a phrase into these online websites and it'll generate art. It's worrying the artists, understandably, even just stuff about copyright. Like, you know, if you train an AI off someone else's art to make new art, how does the copyright work there? But the first AI website generation tools are starting to rear their heads. So it has a a lot of people from all sorts of industries wondering, you know, how long is it going to be until AI starts to replace them? And it'll be a while before they get to websites yet. I've, I've tried a handful of them and um, they're, you know, they're pretty basic. If, if you had zero budget for a website, they'd at least, you know, get you onto the first, the first rung of the ladder. That's going to be something I'll be watching keenly is just, you know, how far is this, is this AI technology going to go in the future? Someone who's in the news lately is a man called Elon Musk over his uh, takeover of Twitter and the backlash of that. And he said in an interview there recently that the greatest threat to humanity is AI, which is kind of scary, especially if anyone grew up in the 80s watching the Terminator movies. What you're saying there as well, it, it's just how it could affect so many industries and possibly make people redundant. I think probably the threat is going to be more so job displacement. You know, it's it's very unlikely that we're going to get to a Terminator Skynet uh, <laughs> scenario anytime soon. But, you know, the most common one that I see mentioned a lot that's, you know, easy to grasp in your head is truckers. You know, what happens when AI trucks are all over the roads in America? Um, and, you know, that has people looking at different concepts like universal basic income where everyone would get, you know, paid, a, don't know what you call it, a wage or a stipend, but, you know, a basic fee to cover your, your living costs. People are looking at things like that. But it is, it is a pretty big question that we're going to have to deal with. And, um, you know, there's a sliding scale of how this could go for humanity. You know, we could get pretty close to creating something like utopia over the next couple of decades or centuries. It could unfortunately go in the opposite direction as well. I think it's down to us. It's it's down to us to decide, you know, how we're going to use it. We've done a lot of great things with technology, but we've already we've also done some some pretty poor things, some pretty terrible things. For every fantastic, you know, technological advancement, 
there's a there's a one on the flip side. So you know we're going to have all this terrific AI and healthcare and so on and so forth, but we also have you know stockpiles of nuclear warheads that could end the whole thing in the next 24 hours if it went that direction. So it's only going to AI is only going to be as good or as bad as the people in charge of it, which is you know all of us at the end of the day would be my take on it. So um, I would disagree with Musk slightly. I would say without being too pessimistic that humanity is the greatest threat to humanity and that the tools are just going to be, you know, dictating how and when we do it. Um, and humanity could also be the greatest benefit to humanity. So it's a, it's a bit of a catch 22 situation and it's, it's difficult to know, you know, when you're one in, you know, I think we passed the 8 billion mark That's right, a week know. or two ago, you know, when you're one in 8 billion, you know, what can you do? I do try to think of the fact that, you know, with the network effect, what you do can have quite a big impact. You know, if you have a positive effect on five people, that positive effect is going to, it's going to spread. It'll diminish as it goes along. But I think we do often have, we have the potential to have a lot more of a positive or negative impact than we feel good or bad outcome. It'll, it'll be exciting to watch. You've been web designing for professionally, shall we say, for five years, but you've kind of been, well, you started at it when you were 11, but you've kind of been at it really, uh, on an ongoing basis for the last 12 years. But was it during COVID that you actually decided to step away from web design? The tail end of COVID. So I think the lockdowns were starting to end in most countries. But yeah, it was during COVID that that thought started to arise. I'd been doing it for quite a long time at that stage and... I think it was just partially due to COVID and all the negatives that came with that, that I was starting to perceive it in a, a bit of a negative light. I was a bit stressed out at just, you know, you'd be familiar with this being self-employed, having to keep this constant conveyor belt of, of work coming in. And about the same time, I the opportunity to came up to work with another guy from Ireland who was working on a education company where he had a self-improvement course that he was selling in the United States. And we got on well together and I made a plan to jump ship with him. So I phased myself out of web design for a period of three months and then was working with him full-time for four months. And uh, for a couple of reasons, that didn't work out. And I decided to, to step away from that. And, you know, when that happened, I only really had one option left, which was to, to go back to web design. And it turned out that I had missed it. I'd missed it quite a lot. And what I realized I had been missing was the, the motivation and the dedication to improve how I was doing it, to improve the processes, to instead of just saying, oh, it's a pity that it comes with this stress and these problems that actually this is something that I really enjoy doing practically all aspects of it. And I set out then to improve the process. Um, so I was, I was lucky to get, um, you know, a good payout from that endeavor when I left it. So that gave me a couple of months of runway. And that was actually when I first started using Webflow because I, you know, was going back into WordPress for the first time in seven months and starting to build a new site and just thought, you know, this is part of the problem. Uh, it's not something that I want to be using anymore and went on to the Webflow website. I'd heard about it before 
And the tagline on their website was, your website should be a marketing asset, not a technical problem. And that immediately sold me because I had five years under my belt of, of WordPress being a technical problem. And yeah, it turned out, even though it didn't work out, it turned out to be a fantastic opportunity to come back with a new set of eyes, the time to work on the business instead of in the business for a couple of months and to to remold it into something that that I prefer doing. And it's kind of analogous to, you know, also coming out here to Thailand when you do that. It kind of makes you realize how much, you know, you value the city you came from, which is Galway for me. And in stepping away from web design for a while, it gave me the opportunity to look at it with a new set of eyes. And, you know, again, quite lucky there in that not everyone is going to have the opportunity to step out from it for a while. Um, But it is something I value a lot now is just that idea of spending some amount of time a week working on the business instead of in it, because, you know, the time you spend working on it is going to increase the the value of the time that you spend working in it. It'll it'll reap a lot of rewards, reap what you sow in that case for, for years to come. So if you find someone is in a situation in their business where they're just fatigued and lacking motivation and every day is just like Groundhog Day, would you advise them to maybe take some time out and what should they do with that time out rather than just carrying on as normal or just packing all the bags and giving up? What I'd suggest is, you know, if you're, it's and it's difficult to do because when people take time off, you know, they want to do their holidays, understandably. But, you know, if, if you're taking a two-week holiday and can take two days out of that to just spend a bit of time thinking about it, um, something else that I did while I was while I was in that transition phase is went on a meditation retreat here in Thailand and I had a little notebook with me and um, I didn't bring my phone. I didn't bring any sort of connection to the outside world. So, you know, if you don't necessarily have to take a huge amount of time off, even if it was just a weekend and to do something like a meditation retreat, or if not just a digital detox, just, um, unplug the router from the wall for for the weekend because there's there's so much coming at us these days via the internet and via other things you know everything is on demand on tap from Mm. music on spotify shows on netflix food on deliveroo dates on tinder for the for the younger generation it's quite hard to get any time to just think and to reflect and if you don't have that, you know, it makes it difficult to get the solution. I think most people that are in that place where, you know, they need to make some sort of change in work, but they haven't been able to find it. They either do have the capacity or have it already. It's just that you need the quiet time to, to get it out of yourself. And, you know, that's why a lot of the time in the mornings, I don't do this a hundred percent of the time, but, you know, 95% of the time, I don't use the internet first thing in the morning. Um, you know, I got in a week of not using it up until 11 a.m. and trying to do all my offline work. Um, now I try to keep it to about an hour because ideally what you want to do in the morning is you want to go internally. You want to see what's inside your mind, see what's up, see what problems there are, see what you know things you can achieve and bring those out into the world. But with the internet, you know, if you're going straight onto social media, onto the news, you're bringing 
what tends to usually be rubbish from the outside world and you're cluttering up your internal state with it. And if you're doing that all the time, it, it just makes it, in my case anyways, near impossible to find those solutions. So yeah, to, to, to summarize that, two days disconnected from as much as possible is, uh, is a pretty good antidote for that, I think. Yeah, even something I do now, and I mark it in the diary every month, is I take one day out and I call it deep clarity. So the team know that Gary is off the grid that day and I'm literally sitting out on a beach in Connemara or anywhere where I can feel that I'm in the middle of nowhere and uh, that no one can reach me and have a notepad and pen and just think (laughs) and come up with ideas and get clarity on where I'm going. But what I find is I'm often more motivated and feel reinvigorated uh, after doing a session like that for the day because the goals that I want to achieve for the business are clearer to me because I've had that space to think about it, but also what actions I need to implement to achieve those goals. That's definitely a big learning for me this year that has been a huge benefit. It's just every every time I'm finished my deep clarity day, before I do anything else, I mark in the next day, the following month that I'm taking time out because again during covid for us no more than yourself uh, designing websites and all those grants coming through from the local enterprise offices so i mean it, it was a crazy time uh work-wise but for us as well doing mostly videos we were deemed essential workers by the irish government so we were on the road a lot doing videos and live streams and so on that there just wasn't space to think and I think then after COVID, you know, fatigue hit, where I suppose a lot of people were ending up moving jobs or leaving jobs or moving to different countries. But definitely for myself, it was two years of chaos. It was great. We scaled dramatically. But at the same time, it's like, okay, I've been on a roundabout there nonstop for two years. I don't know which direction I'm supposed to be going in now. What are we at? What do we want to achieve? And so on. That's, uh, I might take a page out of your book there, writing in, calendaring in the next one when that one is finished. That's, uh, that's a good idea. I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to borrow that from you. The next thing then is, is not to be agreeable. So you have to say no. So my next uh, Clarity Day is actually this Thursday. And there must be, in the last three or four weeks, there must be about 20 people that requested meetings with me that day. <laughs> Oh dear. And I had to say no to all of them. But it's my day. I mean, ultimately, it's a day to benefit everyone in the company. But it's just, it's non negotiable. And you have to really be firm about that on it. It, it nearly treated like you're physically away in another country for the day and you can't be reached. There's a, I don't know if you come across the book Deep Work. Yeah, I bought it actually based on your recommendation on a, a Zoom meeting we had there. A few months ago, I brought it on holidays during the summer. Oh, lovely. Yeah, 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 he, yeah. he talks about a lot of that stuff in it, but he, he gives the example of a college professor who would put dates into his calendar saying that he was out of the office. So no one, you know, colleagues wouldn't book meetings, students wouldn't book meetings. And uh, they found out after, I think, a month or so that he was in his office with the door shut and locked, studying, writing papers while everyone thought he was while he was out on holidays. But yeah, it's 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 tricky at the end of the day to get the you know the the work life balance you know especially when you're working for yourself they just have 
this habit of becoming so intermingled and becoming difficult to, you know, see where the dividing line is. The author of that book, Cal Newport, has a practice I've been trying to do where I've a to-do list app that I use and you can schedule recurring ones. And at the end of my workday, there's one called Shutdown Complete. And I will try to actually say that out loud as I tick it off. But before I tick that off, I make sure, you know, any upcoming appointments are in the calendar, all the important emails are replied to, and just kind of telling my unconscious mind that, right, you're, you're done now. You can, you can shut down, you can wind down the work part of the brain and, and change over to, uh, you know, what's on the personal to-do list. And I haven't managed to do that consistently yet, but on the days when I have, I've, I've found it to be a very good practice. Well, it's nearly shut down time for you now because it's coming up towards half five in Thailand. <laughs> it is. I, I tend to, you know, some days I'll work earlier to get the quiet time. Some days when I've calls in the evenings, you know, I might work, you know, 10 to 6 or 11 to 7, something like that. Um, nice to have the, the flexibility there to um, accommodate people who can't do the calls in the morning. Look, Rory, thanks a million for joining us on Gary Talks. And as always, it's a pleasure talking with you and always getting great insights from you. So thanks again. Likewise as well, always happy to uh, to learn something new. Um, I try to write down in my journal every evening something new that I learned. So I think I'll pop down that one about scheduling the clarity day on the day it ends in there. See, can I build that into the practice? So yeah, thanks for having me, Gary. What a great guy. And we're very lucky to have Rory heading up our web design team here at GK Media. And hopefully someday I'll get to sit down and have a beer with him in Thailand because anytime we actually meet in person, it's always in Galway where it's quite often wet and rainy, even though it's monsoon season at the moment over in Thailand, he was telling me. But thank you for listening to this episode. And as always, I encourage you to reach out if you have any questions that you want to ask me about marketing or business or video production, podcasting web design or whatever just get in touch with me via social media you can reach out on tiktok linkedin or instagram and if there's any topics you would like us to cover on the show as well please do get in touch but thank you to everyone who has been so supportive of the show since we restarted it there a few months ago and the feedback has been really really good um quite a few people got in touch with me there during the week as well just to say that they're getting something out of every episode that they're bringing into their own life experiences. And that's what I hope people get from tuning into Gary Talks every week. So I'll be back again for an episode of Business Bites where I'll be looking for finding meaning in what we do. And I think it's very topical at the moment with what is going on in the world of business over the past few months. So thank you again for listening. Make sure you give us a nice positive review on the podcast platform you're listening to. Tell your friends, tell your colleagues about the podcast, please, and have a fantastic week.